I've confronted hundreds of men over two decades. I have been in television for 24 years. I just came to get something to eat. And I have very seldom been at a loss for words. I just came to get something to eat. Men online looking for children to sexually assault. What's the motive here? It's, Explain it to me. I don't no, know you're right. No, you're right. It's stupid. It's, it's not. It's an no. illegal thing. Yeah, I know. I did a stupid thing. Men from all walks of life. A doctor. A teacher. A clergyman. You sent pornographic pictures through the mail. Okay, that's a federal offense right there. You know I'm in trouble. And I know it. I tried to get into their heads and understand why. Pizza we have tonight. Uh, I, I want to know who you are. I want to know a little bit more about you first. Can I eat first? Sure, go ahead. Let's see if any of this sounds familiar while you enjoy your pizza. And ultimately, make sure they face justice. You ask her if she's a virgin. I ask everybody all kinds of stuff. It's just talk. You ask her if she's horny. What's wrong with that? You ask if she does anal. It's a question. Question. Who are they? Have they tried to prey on other children? And where are they now? These are the predators I've caught. I'm Chris Hansen. I think there's a tendency to believe after doing so many of these investigations and I think it's a tendency on the part of viewers as well, you can tell me, to think that the most dangerous predators I've caught are the ones who look dangerous, who look shifty, who have criminal histories, who may be carrying weapons. And maybe that's true, but I also think you could argue that the most dangerous, at least to a child, a child's well-being, could be the guy who is mainstream, who has no criminal record, who has a real job, who has a wife, who has a child, but who has a deep and dark fantasy online. A guy like Stephen Coates. Stephen Coates was a 56-year-old guy who chatted online with a decoy posing as a 13-year-old girl during our investigation in Riverside, California. This is early 2006. And it was the first investigation, if you follow these things, where we had law enforcement involved. In this case, the Riverside County Sheriff's Department. We had done investigations in Long Island in Herndon, Virginia, just outside of Washington, D.C. And this was the first time we ventured out to the West Coast. And as I mentioned, the first time law enforcement was involved, a very professional department, the sheriff's department was. In fact, the lieutenant, Chad Bianco, who worked on the case and pretty much spearheaded the investigation for the sheriff's department, is now the actual elected sheriff of Riverside County, California. Great guy great team. And so we had set up, and Coates ended up being one of 51 predators who surfaced during that investigation. He's become iconic in a way, and he's memorable to me for a lot of different reasons. If you walk by him in a grocery store, 
in a barbershop at the dry cleaners, you wouldn't think anything of it. Just a 56-year-old guy, graying hair. You wouldn't know that he was a musician. He fancied himself as a songwriter. You probably didn't hear his music, and I'll talk about that music in just a little bit because some of the song titles are suggestive of his behavior in this investigation. I guess if you had to describe it, it would be something like a mix between Muzak that you'd hear in an elevator and a Neil Young recording session that went terribly wrong. At least that's the way I hear it. So Coates worked in the biotech industry in California, not far from Riverside. He lived about an hour away from our Stinghouse. And he was trolling online one night when he came across Green Day Chick. Now, the decoy does not make any mystery out of the fact that she's 13 years old. And he acknowledges that on a number of different occasions. And I'm going to get into the chat log here because it really sets up what he was capable of doing, I think. And it also makes for a an ironclad criminal case. And it goes against everything that he told me and everything he told Sheriff's Department investigators during his arrest. So he's chatting. Goes by the screen name M4 Pixeline. Asks Green Day Chick, lonely without your friends? Yeah. Is school there? It's okay. Any new friends? The girl has set up a profile of somebody who just moved to the area, lives with her mom and dad and brother. Andy asks about music. She says, I love Green Day. He says, they're cool. I write songs myself, really? I'm trying to sell them, he says. Do you talk a lot to people online? My songs are pop, rock, some adults, contemporary, and blues. She answers the first question, no. He says, just your buddies, I take it? Yeah. Then, unbelievably, he says, okay, well, be careful on Yahoo, some strange people. She says, LOL, yeah. Do you talk about sex and things like that? Now, this is about 10 minutes into the conversation. He turns it sexual and wants to be her friend and confidant. You can tell me anything, it's okay. Been with any boys or men in a sexy way? LOL, sort of, she said. Kissing, touching, he asks. Yeah. Then he jumps right in, sucking? No, she says. Okay. Then he goes back to music for a minute. What Green Day songs do you like best? American Idiot, she says. He asks about her height. Says, you seem like a very sweet girl. I'm more your parents' age, he says. Is that okay with you? She says, sure. Are they cool people? I'm very open, he says, so you can ask or talk to me about anything, okay? Now, this is so typical of grooming in these situations and so horrifyingly offensive. Now, he will later try to argue to me and then to investigators that this was a big misunderstanding. And when that doesn't work, I was being stupid. And when that doesn't work, I was wrong. I'll never do it again. Please forgive me. Let me go. And he begs, pretty much. The conversation continues to schoolwork. Are you smart in school? Yeah. Coat says, I like smart girls. She says she's from Santa Fe, New Mexico. 
And the chat continues. They say goodbye for the night. And the next day, he's back at it. Tracks her down. Says his son is home from college. He's upstairs watching TV. His friend was visiting for a few days. She says, cool. K-E-W-L. Now, if that doesn't tell you that she's 13, I don't know what does. Among so many other things. He talks about writing the songs again. And then it gets very graphic. And it's unbelievable a grown man would say this to a 13-year-old girl. There's nothing sexier than a bald blank talking about her privates. And he talks about touching her. Asks if she's ever touched a boy. His genitals. Now he knows all this is wrong because he instructs her to delete the conversation they've had thus far. Do me a favor, okay? Click on conversation at the top of this window, then preferences, then archive, then click on no, don't save any messages. So he's trying to destroy evidence already. He hasn't even gotten his car yet to drive over. Did you do it? Yeah. Good girl. I have to run, but I'll be on line later. My wife just got home. Then the next day, he's back on. Starts with homework, a relationship with another boy. And then he gets very explicit. I don't want to make you feel uncomfortable, he said. But then he says, have you ever seen porn movies? They're pretty explicit. Can see everything. Have your girlfriends had sex? And then he talks about how they can have anal sex and oral sex, and that way her virginity will still be intact. And she plays the part of someone who's inexperienced, scared, but open to a visit, insecure even, says she's a bit pudgy. That's okay. You'll grow out of it. Just watch what you eat. Muscle weighs more than fat. So now he's, he's counseling her on her body weight and image. And then he talks about all this being our secret. Please don't tell anyone about our conversations. You're young, so I don't want to get into trouble. You're young, so I don't want to get into trouble. Now, remember this when he shows up and you hear what he told me and the detectives. More about this predator I've caught in a moment. He has her call him on the phone and then asks if she's excited. She says, now you know I'm real. Yes, or it's an officer of the law with a very high voice, he says. We're both real. You sounded scared, he says. I am scared, she says. Me too, very exciting though. Let me show you a pic. Can you see me here? Okay, where? In the window, yeah. Sends a picture of his penis. Then he talks about giving her a phone card number so she can call without there being a record of it on her cell phone. He actually reads it off to her, gives her a PIN number. He's really trying to cover his tracks here. Says that way we can talk discreetly. Again, he reiterates that certain things will happen the first time she has sex. The first time you fuck, it breaks your hymen in your vagina. And now he's a medical expert and it bleeds a little, he says. The first time to fuck is not great, but afterwards it's great. Even if we get together, we don't have to do that. Did you learn all this in school or from friends? Maybe your mom will tell you one day, he says. He looks up the directions, says he'll be driving a Honda. 
but says he may chicken out. Claims he's never done this before. She says, me either, LOL. I'm scared shitless, he says. Do you understand? It's getting serious now. If this is a setup, I'll never forgive you. Oh, it's not a setup, she says. You don't have to come. I just want you to know how serious it could be. If anything goes wrong. And then he gets on the road after all this talk about sex, about anal sex, oral sex, how they can still have quote-unquote fun and she can maintain her virginity. He gets on the road and makes the one-hour trip from his home to the sting house. When he's walking from his car parked on the street to the back patio entrance where we had the predators come in in Riverside. He almost catches a glimpse of the decoy, Dell, posing as the 13-year-old girl on site. And she ducks back in the house and gets to the next room and he kind of slides in sideways, looking very anxious, very nervous. Okay. Look in the back. Oh. Nothing, really. And I remember this particular confrontation with Stephen Coates for a couple of different reasons. One, I honestly thought when he first came in, he was going to just bolt. That's how nervous he was. That was his body language. I thought he'd be out the door in a second. I wouldn't get a word in. And we'd be relying on the conversation between him and the sheriff's investigators. He saw me. And he immediately is anxious, nervous, knows he's in trouble. What's going on? Come on, please. Sit. Oh, um, I'm, I'm going I'm to leave. I'm well, gonna... no, 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 I think, no, you need to, trust me, you want to chat for a minute before you do that. Okay, I won't, I, I won't go, please. And now I've got a bit of a balancing act. And again, remember, this is only the third investigation. I had confronted, you know, three dozen, four dozen predators up to this point in the previous two investigations, but this is still relatively new and I'm still sort of trying to figure out how to get these guys to stay and talk to me. And Coates really wanted to bolt, but I kept at it. I said, I think it'd be a good idea, first of all, if you take your hands out of your pockets, which is something I routinely do just in case he's got a weapon in there. We don't know what's in his pockets. And then I suggest strongly and sternly that he come over and have a seat at the kitchen counter. Could you have a seat on the stool there, please? And he's moving slowly, but he does. And now I have to figure out how to get inside this guy's head and have him talk. And it's a very tense back and forth with him. And what are you doing here, Stephen? Um, I was doing something that I shouldn't be. And what is that? Why don't you tell me? Sir, I, I just want to go, okay, please? What are you doing here trying to meet a girl who told you she was 13 years old, Stephen? I've never done such a thing and I didn't want to do it. And Why I, did you do it then? Because I just, I, I'm stupid. How old are you, Stephen? I'm stupid. I'm How old are you? Utterly, completely stupid. How old are you? 56. 56. I'm, and I'm stupid and I've never done such a thing. And God, please, please, let me just go. Finally, I can see in his jacket that there's something sticking out of the inside pocket. I know it's not a weapon. I think I know that it's probably a CD because he had talked about this in the online conversation. 
I said, what's in there? And he pulls it out. He said, it's a CD. I, I make music. I want to see what's in your pocket. Oh, it's just a CD. Of what? May I see it? This is a song that I have. Song? Yes. Now, his plan was to play his CD while he had sex with this 13-year-old girl. While her parents were gone, while her brother was gone, and while his wife and son were home. He's brought condoms. Lou. He really believes that he's going to introduce this 13-year-old girl to anal sex, oral sex, and he's going to have a big night of it, all the while listening to his Muzak that he wrote and recorded. Well, that's not going to happen. Listen to what he tells me next. So you talk about sex and things like that, but with any boys or men, in a sexy way. Sir, please, I, I beg of you, believe me, I've, I've never done such a thing. I'm crazy and I'm wrong and I just want to leave. I just want to have this just go, okay, please, please, this I beg of you. a pretty sexually charged conversation for somebody your age to have with somebody who and, says they're 13. And please, sir, I know, and I just... I don't want it. To, I want it to end. I really want it to end and just go. Finally, after, I don't know, I suppose no more than 10 minutes of back and forth. There's nothing I can do to make you stay here, but if there's anything else you'd like to say, we'd like to hear it. He leaves, goes right down the sidewalk on the side of the house where he entered, and he's stopped in the driveway on a January night in Riverside, California by the Riverside County Sheriff's Department. And right away, he starts his pitch. Didn't work with me, but I couldn't arrest him. Now he knows he's in real trouble. Listen to what he tells the detectives. Please, I beg of you, I just... You beg of me what? Just let me go, please. Yeah. Well, I've read all your text messages that you had with this young female, all right? Uh, I know, but that doesn't mean I would actually do it. There's so much fantasy online that well, you should have kept it with fantasy in your house. Now, at one point, one of the investigators actually says, you know what? That's the first time I've heard this. Listen to how Coates responds and what the investigator does next. Please let me go. Are you serious? I'm very serious. I'm, I'm just... I'll I've, tell you I've what. I've never done such a thing in my life. I never want to do it again. I'm just... I just want to go, okay? Since you're the first person to say that today, we'll let you go. As for the... More than a dozen condoms he had with him when asked about that. Coates told the detective that he just had him along in case he ran into someone who, quote, wanted to get down. Now, we know based upon the conversation why he had those condoms. But just another one of his unbelievable excuses. Stephen Coates actually challenged his charges. He went to court, got a lawyer, went to trial. But Coates was ultimately found guilty by a jury of three counts of trying to have sex with a minor, solicitation, and lewd and lascivious behavior with a minor. He received 36 months probation, 180 days in jail, which he was allowed to serve on weekends. Paid about $6,000 in fines, and he had to register as a sex offender. 
and complete counseling and treatment programs, which you also had to pay for. Now, what has Stephen Coates been up to in the 15 years since his arrest? He served his time on weekends, which sounds hauntingly familiar when you look at some other high-profile sex offenders, and I don't think that would be allowed today. I think he was allowed that leniency because I think the courts in California especially were still getting used to the idea of a television show, an investigative reporter doing a story like this, a project like this, in conjunction with law enforcement. And even though the law is quite clear in these matters, that if you solicit somebody online who you think is underage, that's just as much of a crime as it is if there's a real girl there or boy. I think there was a a different attitude then. And I remember after that particular investigation, we got the attention of Congress. And I actually testified in front of Congress about this. And I remember being in a Senate hallway And at the time, Senator Bill Frist came up to me and said, what do we do about this problem? And I said, well, Senator, I think there has to be some sort of approach to sentencing across the country. And we discussed it. And again, I I testified and I gave all the information about the investigations up to that point. And some of the laws have changed. And the federal laws are very, very strict when it comes to online solicitation. In fact, you know, you take a look at the inequity in the laws, you see what happened to Stephen Coates, 180 days served on the weekends, and you look at Rabbi David Kay in Washington, D.C., who was sentenced to six and a half years because the feds picked up the case, the FBI picked up the case, and he went to federal court. That wasn't a jury case, that was a a bench trial. Anyway, back to Stephen Coates. He finishes serving a sentence And he has a pretty prolific presence on social media. He started hawking his music again. One of the songs written after his arrest, conviction, and jail time is called Thought Crime. Now, we can't play it for you here because of copyright laws, but I can give you some of the lyrics thought crime. And he appears, Coates does, to be referring specifically to his arrest, getting caught in the sting in Riverside. Lyrics go like this. Thought crime. Thought crime spies are listening. Thought crime to what you're typing. Thought crime paranoia sting. Be careful what you say. Thought crime written evidence. Thought crime may twist common sense. Thought crime police make you tense. Well, he should be tense. He was trying to have sex with a 13-year-old girl. Be careful what you say. Fantasy in the wrong hands may jail you if you make plans. That's clever. Role play. You could be used. Might be misconstrued as thought crime. It could be the press. I guess that's talking about me. Thought crime. Cause your life distress. Thought crime. And they could care less. Be careful of what you say. Now, this is the most ridiculous way of trying to protest what happened to him. The easiest way for Stephen Coates to have avoided all this was not to be talking to a 13-year-old girl online. And it's interesting because all these guys try to justify it, 
try to explain it away, try to make themselves the victim. And that is such an ingrained way of thinking among predators. I just see it over and over again. There was an episode of Dr. Phil, which I don't often watch, but I happen to be going by a television. And guys were on there who got caught, in this case, uh, by a online watchdog vigilante group. And the same excuses that Stephen Coates used and so many other predators in my investigation. It's like, come on, you can't make this okay. Now, there's no indication that any of these songs has made Stephen Coates a great deal of money. He is prolific, though. Quite a few songs. One song title was particularly disturbing, though. Always Be Young seems more than just a little inappropriate coming from a registered sex offender. Ultimately, the song was not received well, as you can imagine, and Stephen Coates changed the song's name to Always Be Young on Venice Beach. I took a listen to that song. It's cringy at best. Stephen Coates, as far as we know, lives with his girlfriend in the Santa Monica area of California. He continues to write music. We attempted to reach out to him and were unable to make contact. But I would be more than willing to hear what Stephen Coates or any other predator I've caught has to say about their arrest, the case against them, their punishment, and what has happened to them since they became one of the predators I've caught. I'm Chris Hansen. If you want to reach out to me, I welcome that. Chris at PredatorPodcast.com. I'll be watching and listening.